Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Rewind. Ryland Turner here for another classic rendition of uh, wrestling watching. As always, I'm joined by Kyle Joseph. Kyle, how are you? I'm I'm good. It, you know what? We didn't have to watch Trainwreck this time, and that's good. Yes. Well, while that is fun to do from time to time, we had a we had a task in front of us because our guest and the actually our first guest on this program. This is the first time we've had a guest on this show before. Um, our guest this month, our Royal Rumble pool winner, Vince Delgado. Vince, welcome back to the program. You are all over the network this week. I know. I know. Well, we're breaking kayfabe here. You're saying this week, but I'm going to be around for WrestleMania season as well. That's true. Uh, That's true. I've made three appearances on the show. I'm just very thankful that you guys – like having me around and decide to have my inputs and knowledge on very little things that I know, which are sports and wrestling. So I'm just happy to be a part of this, man. Thank you. Well, you're always welcome on our program. You chose Money in the Bank 2011 for us <laughs> to go back and watch. Um, this is a show I've only watched. I had only watched once, and that was, uh, I believe, the night of. Uh, for me, it really stands the test of time as I feel like, it 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 kind of changed the landscape of WWE for a little bit in the sense that a lot of this talent that came up with CM Punk on the indie scene, your Daniel Bryans, Evan Bournes, guys like that, they got a little bit more shine. Uh, maybe not as much as, you know, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk would have gotten, but we started to see kind of a new era of professional wrestling and it was coming out of the ruthless aggression era, which was just biting down with its teeth until the very end of the 2010 or the, or the 2000s, early 2000s, rather. Uh, Kyle, yeah. this was your first time viewing this show. This is a, like we, we've discussed on the show that uh, CM Punk is not somebody who you really had in your uh peripherals because you were you know you would take a time off wrestling this is kind of like one of the biggest pay-per-views that he's known for uh biggest match that he's known for what were your thoughts overall on the show so i thought the show was very very good overall uh, oh boy um i think there are now this is going to be a tricky one because this is a show that's held in very high reverence by a lot of wrestling fans is widely considered to be the best pay-per-view of that year, perhaps of that era. And there were some very interesting matches, the stories being told. I do think that not being a part of it, uh, watching it at the time, you do lose a little bit of something. Um, because a lot of this was told more on story than it was on work rate. Now, Having said that, boy, they they gave us a work rate treat in the opener. So, like, I think this was overall of like I don't want to give the 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 ending away, but I think overall this is a very good show. There's just um a little bit of WWE ness sprinkled here and there that I could not help but um take in, and I think I do think there were there are things that I I do think detracted from the show a little bit. Uh, Vince, right. you you watched this show um, over again. And this is a, this one's a, a big one for you because it, it emanates from your your hometown of Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, it's it, like Kyle said, it's held in very high regard amongst wrestling fans. 
Uh, what were your thoughts going back and watching it? Uh, going back and watching it, it just, it kind of felt like watching a home movie. You, I, I don't know if like back in the day, I'm, I, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but you go and pop in the VHS of the home movies and you're rewatching a party or an experience or just a gathering that you've had. And they kind of, that's kind of the feeling that I had when I went back and watched this events because I firmly vividly remembered where I was watching the event how I felt, how I reacted, how everyone around me reacted after the pay-per-view ended. Similar to my little tidbit story that I told in the Quizlemania about Little Caesars, uh, I, I remember my my time in, in watching the pay-per-view. And just going back, it was just fond memories. And there was some stuff that I, I think I might have just skipped over or just don't remember as clearly. But it was just it was just a fun experience overall. Awesome. Well, I do not have any uh, fun, fascinating facts. Although, Vince, you did bring up a couple of facts. What were they again? Yes. Uh, I, I, well, obviously, like I said, it was emanating from Chicago, Illinois. It was actually the second installment of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view because the very first one was in 2010. Prior to that, it was a WrestleMania-exclusive match and w- then became its own premium live event or pay-per-view, if you will. Now it's considered to be a top-five pay-per-view. They dubbed it as the second annual, but really, actually, it's the first annual Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So that was the interesting information. Uh, Ryland, you actually looked up uh, that the main event was the last match to get a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. Yeah, it was the it was the the, the first one to receive a five-star rating, I believe, since Shawn Michaels and Undertaker's Hell in a Cell match from '97. So um, no, it was um it was did that one get a five star? Pretty sure. Okay. I think because uh, I, I do remember I know I WrestleMania thirteen. Check. I know WrestleMania thirteen was the last uh I think was a big one, but I think you might be right. I do think they had another one that was more recent. Brett, you you're 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 talking Austin Brett, right? Yes. Brett was I know that was five stars. I can't remember what else was five stars for I know Which uh, is crazy. Big Dave was never is, a huge fan of some of those Yeah. Some of those matches. It, you are correct. Crazy. It was uh Bad Blood in Your House was the last one in okay. the same year I think. Um one thing I did want to get into because I know it's gonna we're gonna be talking about this match probably on the more negative side. Uh poor Kelly Kelly. Uh, Kelly Kelly <laughs> well, uh, uh, competed in this show and then went on to hold the title until October, where Beth Phoenix took the title off of her at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. After losing to her twice before the prior two months at SummerSlam and Night of Champions. Man, no love for Beth Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice to see her on the card instead. With all that being said, guys, I think it's time to get into the top tens. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. You're number 10. This is going to be tricky because I have uh, a lot of stuff to get to that I do think is very positive. I hate to rag on this. That women's match was real bad. And... (laughs) So, the sad thing is that 
I want to say, like, Brie Bella does go on later in her career to do better work than this. Not much, but N- yes. Not substantially better, but definitely better. Um, Kelly Kelly, on the other hand, this is about what you kind of expect from a Kelly Kelly match, and, yeah, I... I don't want to rag on, on these two competitors. They did what they were given. They were only given five minutes, too. But it was kind of just sort of there. And, like, you know, you had to have a women's match on the show, but this was just really disappointing. And it's... I think what's so disheartening about watching shows this recent, because this show is only, you know, 12 years old, is... Right. How recently it was, this was the standard of women's wrestling in WWE. Yeah. Crazy. Because you mentioned Beth Phoenix, but, like, really, there were some people who came in. Uh, Beth Phoenix, obviously, was a person who was a, a good worker. And you'd have smatterings of good workers here and there. And, obviously, they would build up people to be good workers. Trish Stratus was not a particularly good worker when she started, but by the end of her career, she was perfectly fine. Lita was a, a very good worker in her era as well. But then it would it would ebb and flow, and it wasn't really until you saw those NXT call-ups in, in 2015, 2016, around there, where you really started to get a consistency to the quality of women's wrestling in WWE. And it's a shame because we're they're well past the time that women's wrestling was, you know, a draw. And it's it's a shame that, also, it's a shame that, as we're talking about CM Punk in this show, that AJ Lee didn't get to participate in basically any of that era either. Because <laughs> she was That's another. True. Same with Beth Phoenix. They were, those were, like, very quality workers, or Natalia, who were good workers in a time where that just wasn't of interest to WWE. Vince, you're number 10. Um, well, I kind of want to piggyback on what Kyle just said, because my tennis kind of like goes hand in hand. Uh, it was about the women's match, but I just wanted to point out notes. I was going to say it, it was actually nice to see the Bella Twins coming out as twins, you know, like I, that's kind of like what drew me to them. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. I guess I went through the whole Bastion Brothers era of wrestling. But, you know, two twin girls, you know, that's a man's dream. You know, it was mine when I was a child or at least a teenager. And it was just kind of cool to see. I, like, they had, like, the whole match in gear. Obviously, the Usos did it later on in life. But now you can't pull off the twin magic with the Bella Twins anymore for, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, um, that I won't go on to mention. But, you know, I also did want to say I love Kelly Kelly, but she wasn't very good back then either, you know. I that was kind of where I was going at. Back then when I was watching, I think I was watching with different rose-colored glasses when I was watching Kelly Kelly. Because I was like, oh, you know, yeah, Kelly Kelly, she's cool. I like Kelly Kelly. She's, she's not a bad wrestler. But you go back and watch now, and you look at the quality of the wrestling, and you're like, God, I love you, Kelly Kelly. But you look like you have an age today in your life. But, yeah, no, not not your best work in between those ropes. And... Like you were saying, Kyle, with the women's wrestling, it just like, it starts off with a Luthes Prez. You get a lot of like hair pulling, a lot of like slaps, and like uh, the X Factor is like a common move used by a lot of women wrestlers at that time. So it just, it really just looks at, look at the difference. Cause I remember, can't remember who mentioned it, 
but it might have been the Bellas. But they were saying that they weren't even allowed to do a, a regular tie, uh, collar and elbow tie-up, a headlock. They weren't ever able to do that. They just were told to do X, Y, and Z, and that's it. So that, that's, that's, that's where I'm starting things off. I am I am starting we it's a it's a sweep uh number 10 Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella. Kelly Kelly can't even run the ropes. Like she's not running the ropes properly. Like she could, it's, she's it's, never I don't she's never been able to. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it, it's it's I I I feel bad because I don't want to I don't want to bash the women, but this this was not good. And this was for the women's title. That beautiful butterfly yeah. title. It's, it's it was for that one. The one that looked like listen, it was a purse accessory. Like, listen, I thought it was kind of cool, and to this day, I will go to bat for the for the Butterfly Divas title. I think it looks better than most people give it credit, but that's just me. I have a soft spot for silver looking titles, though. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Kyle, you're number nine. <laughs> My number nine is something I keep pointing out, and when we keep doing these reviews, and it's disappointing that I have to keep mentioning it. Boy, commentary was bad on this show. Yes, it was. That Oh, my God. We, we might sweep this one, too. Like, uh. So I'm not going to rehash my feelings on Jerry Lawler. They, at least by this point, had put a bit of a muzzle on him, ignoring everything that he said during Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella. He, he was kind of like the he, – he went from perverse to dad jokes. Yeah. Um – Booker T, for a person with as much charisma as Booker T has, I do think that he was more physical charisma than anything else. Commentary was just never a great role for him. And I feel, you know, bad in saying that because I'm a a big fan of Booker T, you know, as a wrestler, as a personality. I think the guy is really, really good at most aspects of wrestling. I think he would be a fantastic manager, personally. But... Color commentary just was never his bag, and continues. It continues to not be his bag. By the way, hashtag NXT. This was (laughs) was not the worst. This was not the worst version of Michael Cole that we've gotten, but it was pretty bad. Like I don't think he was full heel, Michael Cole. Um, at this point in time, but you still got elements of that that were really bad. I think wasn't this the time of the raw general man, the the secret raw general manager and all that nonsense? Yes, yes. This, this around the, the same anonymous time? raw general manager. Yes, they had right. the podium right next to the commentator. Yeah, I did. I did table. notice that, and, and they never that used it at once. <laughs> we'll put that as an honorable mention that that was a thing that they did too. But it's like. This show was so, I, for a show as great as it was, it did feel like it was brought down by its commentary a little bit, which was disappointing. I'll go next just because I'm, I'm, you know, like agreeing with Kyle. Michael Cole, uh, so this, for for uh, timeline's sake, Kyle, this is after the him being a super heel. Yeah, this is after his match with Jerry Lawler, so he was still a heel, but they were definitely phasing it out. Um, but it was terrible. You're not wrong; it was terrible. When I saw the commentary lineup of heel Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler in his most neutered state, and Booker <laughs> T in this era, which I mean, it really no, it's no better than it is now. Like I said, but 
holy god like it i was i forgot that like you said this this is a great show but it is marred just marred by terrible commentary and that's all i'll say vince you're number nine <laughs> Uh, oh, I guess we're doing another clean sweep because my whole take was, uh, what the fuck? I forgot heel Michael Cole and babyface Jerry Lawler was a thing. I thought it was very weird on commentary, especially when they were, uh, making reference to Daniel Bryan. He'd always call him a geek or forever. I forgot that before he had this vendetta against Top Dollar, he hated Daniel Bryan with a passion because yeah. he was so. And he was, like, the biggest Miss uh, supporter in the world. Uh, so I just – it was just jarring. Booker T's been very bad. He tried to do this whole his fab five or top five, but then everyone would be – everyone on the roster would be in his fab five and top five. Uh, Michael Cole continuously belittling Jerry Lawler. That's probably the only thing that I cared about because uh, they got to the main event, the title match, and Booker T was trying to emphasize the importance of winning that title. He's like, everywhere I went, I won all the big gold, but that WWE title is the one time that eluded me. And my coach like, yeah, Jerry, you didn't win that title either. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm here for it. I'm here for ending Jerry Slaller's slander, man. I'm here for it. Uh, aside from that, I hated how they kept painting, like, the Chicago crowd as, like, um... What, what's the word where they were using? They were like entranced or like, like, uh, what, help me out, guys. Like hypnotized like, or, or, or brainwashed. Brainwashed. There you go. They were brainwashed by CM Punk or something. It's like, what the fuck? And, and then Jerry Lawler just couldn't wrap his hands around. It's like, well, hey, he said that if he wins, he's going to leave you guys. Why would you cheer? It's like, cause. It's fucking wrestling. He's, we know he's not going to leave. And if he does leave, he, he, that means he's going to go somewhere else with the fucking title. That's going to be cool to see. And he's from Chicago. Like, it's just like, y'all are, y'all are silly. Y'all are silly. It's, it's, like, it's silly. whenever they go to Canada. Yes. They always say, oh, it's all weird in Canada. It's where they cheer the heels and boo, and boo the faces. That's because all the Canadians are heels, y'all. Like, <laughs> it's not hard. We're cheering the Canadians. It's honestly it isn't, and I hate it when they do that. They do they they made the same reference when they started doing the Raw after WrestleMania when it started becoming a thing, and they were promoting it. They were like, oh, you know, it's the weird night where like it, like uh. they cheer the good the bad guys and then they boo the the good the good ones. You know, it's 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 stupid. Just acknowledge what it is. It's the smart wrestling crowd that aren't gonna go with whatever you tell us to. So no, we're not gonna cheer on Sheamus just because he's a baby face. Shout to Seamus, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Seamus has had the year of his career right here. Um, <laughs> Kyle, what's your number eight? Yo, High Flyers were doing some work in this show. And I want to give a shout-out to the people who at no point had any chance of actually winning these matches, which sadly includes Rey Mysterio. Um, but we're putting in work anyway. Sin Cara, for everything, we could we could talk for hours about Sin Cara as, as a character and as a figure in both Mexican wrestling and here. But, you know, was putting in some work in this up or in this uh on this show. Um obviously my man Justin Gabriel. Um his career it's just 
Um, Alex Riley to a degree, but Evan Bourne especially. Kofi Kingston. These are guys, I think that's what was so interesting looking back at Kofi Mania, where it's, you know, the guy at the end of his career who got no love but did all of these truly, like, was such a big part of these amazing matches. And it's a, a constant reminder, like, the, the, the sort of quintessential king of this for, uh, for quite a while, though he's not necessarily a full-on high flyer, was Shelton Benjamin. They would throw Shelton Benjamin in these matches, and he would have the spot of the night and be somewhere on the outside, you know, body broken and bruised after doing some sort of insane flippy thing while, you know, Randy Orton was climbing the the thing and grabbing the briefcase or whoever it happened to be. I'm just using him as an example. And watching Evan Bourne do a backflip off of a ladder... Um, and then, you know, that wasn't even the worst spot a bump he took in this show. And watching Rey Mysterio take a truly horrible bump, um, oh, that man. was not even planned. At the, we'll get to that at the, when we get to there, uh, later. Um, but, but yeah, when we get to that match later. But yeah, I want to give a shout out to High Flyers, who, and this is my, the constant thing about anybody who talks about, People are really excited to see such and such a person go to go to WWE. There is just a mountain of 205, 195, 210-pound dudes who gave their blood, sweat, and tears to this business uh, only to get absolutely nothing out of it. Like maybe a tag ring. <laughs> Vince, what's your number eight? Uh, I'm gonna piggyback off of that, but I'm gonna give props to the guy that just hates high flyers, apparently. Uh, <laughs> that's Seamus where he just killed Sikara with the firebox. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it and I was laughing. Listen, this is OG Sikara. This is the first one they refused to learn any English. It was botched all this goddamn time that had a bit of a more of a ego to him. This was not Hunico, so. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go ahead and like give a shout out to Sheamus for killing off this Sincara because after that is when we got Punico as a uh, Sincara Dos or whatever and we got the classic feud of Sincara Negro versus Sincara Azul. Uh, ultimately, Unico won that battle in the long run because he ended up staying being the the original Sincara. But I had high hopes for that Sincara and. No, shout out for Seamus, man. You were just talking about Seamus. Shout out to Seamus. That's that's my number. Eight. My number eight is Alex Riley sucks. He's just <laughs> it's just he's got the face of an unlikable jock from every teen fucking comedy that takes place in college. He he just is is like that match that that Money in the Bag ladder match. That guy just disappears. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you don't see at anything him do anything, and like I, I don't want to sh- throw shade on the guy too much, but he showed up at the last NWA show and took a dive over the top rope at his age that he should not be taking it and and, and landed flat on his face. And Gee. this is a guy who was never great and has not gotten any better with age. 
And yeah, I just, and just seeing him, I remembered, I remember going like, I never liked this guy. Why did I never like this guy? And then again, I had nothing to say about him in this match. So yeah, he just stood out to me. He sucks. Just sucks. Um, to add to that point before we move on to Kyle, I just wanted to say that, uh, Alex Riley, I think Kyle just referred to him as like, uh, lumped him in with the high flyers. And I'm like, I don't remember Alex Riley ever doing anything. Oh, kind of no, time. I was, sorry, I was saying, I was going through the participants, I was saying Alex Riley whatever. I just like, he, he was oh. sort of in the match. <laughs> Like I thought was, you were lumping him together. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, the only good thing Alex Riley ever had was his theme song because it was a pretty solid theme song. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, oh, me and a friend of mine when we were playing, I think it was like WWE 13 or something. Whatever game he was in, we wanted to use the theme song for a credit roster, so we actually had a series of matches to determine who would get to use that theme song as their creative players. Uh, official theme song. So that's the only good contribution Alex Weber Riley has ever added to any wrestling promotion. It's his theme song. <laughs> Kyle, you're number seven. I'm number seven. Uh, we're still not in the place where we're ready to get to talk about matches. we got to talk about all this other peripheral stuff because there are only so many matches to talk about. And we got to do something that also makes me sad. Let's talk about the Nexus, y'all. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, go on. So by this point, let's go through what the Nexus was doing in this show. Daniel Bryan, who barely counts as the Nexus, won the money in the bank. Um, he got, you know, he was part of it, but he got fired off real quick. Um, the new Nexus, which is to say David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy, uh, lost a pre-show match to Checks Notes, Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov in a tag match. That's not what you want. Um, oh, I, I'm so mad I missed that. That would have been fun to watch. <laughs> um, Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel felt kind of like afterthoughts in, in a Money in the Bank match. Wade Barrett at least kind of... I feel like his career would have been very different if he hadn't gotten hurt as much as he did. In WWE, yeah. I do think there were big plans for him, but um, this sort of never quite worked out for him. And then, of course, Evan Bourne, who I talked about doing backflips for absolutely nothing. Uh, to Wait, no... Evan Bourne was never in Nexus. Was he not? Oh, you're right. No, you're right. Um, uh, CM Punk was in the main event. He's a former leader of the new Nexus. Uh, John Cena was also <laughs> in the Nexus. They don't count. For my point, I'm trying to make. So, so Nexus main event is the pay per view. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, that's a way of putting it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I this. It's at this sad. point, at this point, the Nexus had broken up, become the new Nexus, and Wade Barrett had started the core yeah, on correct. SmackDown. <laughs> so, which was just Nexus light. It was diet Nexus. Nexus uh, with red, with red, with yeah. red coloring. One of the one of the worst stables in WWE history, which is saying something. Um, yeah, I Big don't know. Big Zeke Jackson. Big Zeke Jackson. I just I feel it's sad. I feel bad because you know what the Nexus was into what it turned out to be. Like it, it's sad. It's sad to think that a single match killed you know five wrestling careers. But uh, I hope you're proud of yourself, John Cena. <laughs> Listen, listen. 
there's a few things in John Cena's illustrious career that I'll ever fault him for. And I love the man to death. He's in my Mount, my Mount, Mount Rushmore wrestling, but him causing that loss at, at SummerSlam versus the Nessus is one of them. The other being him beating Rey Mysterio for the WWE title shortly after this pay-per-view concluded. Uh, so those are the two faults in his entire career, in my opinion. Just ruining careers. <laughs> that was that was what the twenty tens was all about for John Cena. Step <laughs> on everyone. Uh your number Proud seven WWE thing. tradition. <laughs> wait, 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 so that again? You're number seven. Oh, okay, okay. Uh well keeping the theme of themes, I wanted to say how much better theme songs were back in the day because you get Christian's mm. classic theme song Christian's playing. So you have, oh, it's one of my favorites. Christian's one of my favorites, so obviously. Randy Orton's theme song. Mark Henry, probably one of the best theme oh. songs in all of wrestling history. Oh. Um, Rylan, you mentioned Mafia, this to right? me. 3-6 yeah, Mafia, six Mafia three, man. 3-6 Mafia. Uh, <laughs> uh, you mentioned this before we started recording, Rylan. Uh, CM Punk's old This Fire Burns theme song is still very fucking fantastic, even compared to anything currently in WWE or in AEW. Uh, just like theme songs then were actual full-on theme songs or, like, songs that you can listen to a full three to four or five minutes of, and it was a full song. It wasn't just, like, a little, like, loop-de-loop thing that the CFOs were doing back in NXT or even whatever it is that they're doing now with generic-sounding songs, but... The quality of the wrestling themes were great. Heck, even Kelly Kelly. You know what? Kelly Kelly had a great theme song. <laughs> you hear you hear that holla holla? I don't, don't think you give me Teddy that. Long. <laughs> I, I hear that holla holla at the beginning. I don't think Teddy Long. I think Kelly Kelly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will not stand this for this. There are some... This <laughs> You are correct. There are a number of good theme songs. It's it's telling that, you know, John Cena's theme song, which is a solid theme song, um, doesn't really stand out on this show because there were quite a few really good songs on it. Also, The Miz's theme song has been his for quite a while. I feel like it's underrated yes. in the canon of theme songs. Oh, it sure. is. You guys, it's, it's you guys need so to perfect. go ahead. You guys need to go ahead and look up the full, like, actual version of it and not the WWE cut of it. Chef's Kiss. Fantastic. It starts off differently, too. Like, they rearrange the verses in, in the in the song, which is great. And uh, go, final note on the themes. Daniel Bryan's thing was terrible. <laughs> it, it was terrible. <laughs> he, he won, and it was terrible. I'm like, this sounds horrible. I want his AEW theme song playing. Like, I'm going to re- rematch that and re-edit that with his AEW theme song playing when he wins that money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my number seven is it was nice to see a lot of young talent. That's one thing mm. that the show did not have was in sh- shows past that we've done on this uh, series, like, it's a lot of old guys wrestling old guys or old guys coming back to wrestle young guys and the old guys are winning. Uh, the majority of this show is is young talent. Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, Wade Barrett, even to a certain degree, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. Um, the list goes on. 
I thought that this was a really nice display of, while it's not looked at as, you know, the greatest era of wrestling, it's nice to see that there was a youth movement here and they were trying to, you know, take us in different directions. And while I feel like it didn't really, the youth movement really didn't kick fully in, I feel like, until the Shield got there. Um, mm-hmm. It was a nice effort. And again, we got to see great talent. Evan Bourne's another one. Kofi Kingston. Kofi mm. Kingston, man, he's just always been great. Yes. Always been great. Yes. And Jake, Jake Hager, always been pretty terrible. He's, he's Jake Oof. Hager. Jake Jack Swag. Who's that? Okay, here's the thing. Oh, okay. I wasn't I sure who that is who you were talking about. It's I'll say this. though. He has a good hat. In the same thing with Seamus. <laughs> in the same way with Seamus, I will say that Jack Jake as Jake Hager, Jack Swagger is doing the best work of his life deep into his thirties. Uh, in the same way that I do think Seamus' forties were like is where he's doing his best work. Oh That's- yeah. Going Jack Swagger watching, was not a particularly good wrestler. Yeah, going back and watching a lot of these guys. Well, I'll say that for my next take because actually that's my next take. Uh, I'll, we can move on. All right, time to get into number six. Vince, I'm going to start with you. Okay, perfect, perfect segue. Uh, my number six is how differently and how much a lot of these wrestlers that were just previously mentioned have changed from where they were, what, 12 years ago? That's like, like barely a decade ago. You start off with the, with the SmackDown Mind the Bank ladder match. Daniel Bryan looks so clean cut. I wish he'd go back to that look, but with the current AEW theme song in, in Dynamite. That, that's what I want to see. You look at guys like Wade Barrett, he looks completely different. He's, he's a commentator now on SmackDown. Justin Gabriel is PJ Black in the Indies. Evan Bourne is, uh, Matt Seidel in AEW and other promotions. Seamus, I did really not care for Seamus growing, like growing up or like watching him in ECW, especially when he won the WWE title in TLC versus John Cena. Cause I thought oh, was- I love that. I love that. <laughs> See, because I thought he just was like very generic babyface, but it it really became this thing where. I was call, I called him mid at best during like like after uh, post uh, the bar run that he had, and it somehow transitioned to me being the uh, uh, Sheamus stand because he beat Riddle for the U.S. title at WrestleMania, and then ever since then I very much appreciated Sheamus. So going back and watching this, which is why I appreciate Sheamus just fucking up Sincara because back then I was I was like oh why'd you gotta do that Sincara why are you messing with all my Mexican Sheamus like I'm sick of you but like the transition of how I view people like Cody Rhodes a fantastic mm. gimmick with the face mask and now look at him he's about to meet an event WrestleMania with Roman Reigns arguably the biggest star in wrestling and you look at Michael Cole he's much better on commentary now than he was back then so mm-hmm. like that's my big takeaway it's like how drastically, even though 10, 12 years is just a very little bit of time, but how much that very little time can change a person and performer in the wrestling business. Ray, just like Jr. a lot of those deep people. into his forties and is still doing amazing work. Our uh, truth is in his fifties and he's still like a pretty good performer. Our truth showed up and I'm just like, Oh my God, this man does not age at all. He found. No. The Lazarus Pit. He found the Lazarus Pit. This is why he takes his breaks, because he found the Lazarus Pit. He needs to rejuvenate. 
Kyle, your number six. My number six. So now we get to get into the uh, into the actual matches um, in in order, aside from from uh, holla 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 holla. Um, Mark Henry in the Big Show was was fine. Um, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. It was kind of you know a classic big guy match. It just never. Maybe I'm a little overcritical for this, but it never. Um, I don't know if it really felt to me like it ever got going to any particular big point. And I think the big thing was that the ending was kind of anticlimactic. Because, you know, I get that Mark Henry splashing or doing a splash is, um, you could consider that maybe a credible finisher. It's hard to consider that a credible finisher when it's the big show, for one, and, like, I don't want to be this person to ruin some people's childhoods, but Ultimate Warrior's finishing move was not very good, y'all. No, it wasn't. It was horrible. no better than Hulk Hogan's was, and, like, we can't, and Hulk Hogan's was not very good. Um, R.I.P. to to, uh, my Twitter handle. Um, (laughs) AllerLegendaryKJ, if you want to let me know that I'm wrong about, you know, the leg drop is the greatest finisher of all time, clearly. Uh, but no, it's, I feel like, and we'll get to the post-match later, because I do have an entry about that specifically, but I think this match was, I, I feel like it was building somewhere, and if it either had a little more time, or if it got there a little quicker, I do think this would have been really good. Yeah, I agree, for sure. Me, personally, uh, that's actually uh, that's actually a point I wanted to make. It's like the match just kind of felt like a video game match. Like what you do with mm. your friends, <laughs> you just start just doing top run moves that each you, other. Yeah. yeah, just running with each other. Like there's no science, no like story being told, nothing. You just like oh, there. Let's pick the two biggest guys in the roster and then just figure out what the fuck we're gonna do. Like just do crazy shit. That's not what it felt like. Mm. And then it ended when somebody couldn't kick out kick out of uh, just a, like a standard move. Because we didn't yeah. know the we didn't know the kickout button. Exactly. And it's like the other thing is that Big Show sold this like he didn't get up and he didn't really move until the chair thing at the end. Like he sold two splashes as though he was hit by like a mega death move. Yeah. The way uh, he sold the ankle injury was great though. I liked it. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna. I do want to talk about that. That will be an entry for me a little bit later. I don't know if anybody else is gonna talk about it sooner. Um, my number six is the Chicago crowd. I thought the entire night, uh, aside from Kelly Kelly and Brie Bella, they were pretty hot. But yes, they wanted CM Punk, and I will say my number five is Big Show and Mark Henry. So I will get all all of what I need to get out then, but. Uh, while Big Show's being carted off, and they're just chanting for CM Punk. And I'm just like, I, I, I just, I watched that match, and I watched that spot, and I was just like, poor Big Show. He just can't catch a break. Uh, also, though, He's like, Ray Myster- him and Ray Mysterio can never catch a break. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But no, the Chicago crowd, I thought, was great, and it really added to the atmosphere of this pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree. I'll take the pen and back. 
Are we are we done with number six? Or Vince, have you not given yeah. your number six? Okay. I, I, now, oh yeah, I did, I did, I did. Okay, number five. Uh, I'll start just because I like I mentioned Big Show, Mark Henry. Uh, I I I I can see where you guys are coming from, but I enjoyed the, all six minutes of this. I thought that it was a lot of fun. I thought that this is the big. So Kyle, for for timeline purposes, uh, this match rode off the big show for quite a bit of time, right? Mark Henry continues to destroy everybody, and then at the September pay per view, wins the world title from Randy Orton. Yeah. Big Show comes back at Survivor Series, defeats him for the title. And then Daniel Bryan defeats him after being, after he's been laid out. So like to think that this match of all matches on this card was going to be the world title picture just a few months later was it, it apparently that match at uh, Survivor Series is, is also an underrated uh, match between the two of them. I thought that they had good chemistry. I, I know what you guys are saying about, I just, I don't know, six minutes of the, these two guys running. That was, that was impressive for me. And. I thought the post-match was excellent. I know, Kyle, you're going to get to it later, so I'll give you your time on that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I thought this was fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. Vince. Let me let me clarify by saying this. Is, I'm not going next. I just want to clarify by saying when I mentioned that it was like a video game of you and your friends just picking the biggest guys and just running around hitting each other, I, I was saying that as a positive thing, not a negative thing, <laughs> because I think that shit is funny. I thought that shit was cool. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Seeing Big Show hit a shoulder tackle and Evan Bourne hitting the moonsault off the top of the ladder tickled me fondly both equal. So, mm. There you go. <laughs> Kyle, you're number five. So, the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match was so emblematic of what the, ladder, the, the Money in the Bank ladder match sort of becomes, uh, or would sort of become in the future. Which is to say, um, some really good high flying action, maybe a few too many botches, and the wrong guy wins. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you can get any more like checks boxes, uh, money in the bank ladder match than that. Um, like, so poor Ray Mysterio, who had to like hold his face and cover his face while he was being pushed off a ladder into another ladder that he couldn't see, just so that Alberto Del Rio could then pick up the same ladder that I'm sure he was supposed to stay on and not tip over and grab uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase. This was the one that I do think had a few too many people who never really had a chance of winning it. Um, which is kind of, I think, is opposed to the first one. Now, maybe this is just me with revisionist glasses, but I do think the first one had, you know, probably four people who could legitimately have won it, whereas this one, um, yeah, it would have been a hard... I think maybe Del Rio and maybe The Miz are kind of the two that could have done it. Jack Swagger had done it before. I don't think they were going to give it to him again. No. And then, like, the rest of these guys, you know, Kofi and Evan Bourne were, were, were great guys, but they were never going to get that chance. Ray, I don't think, was seen in that light at this point. And, yeah, our truth sort of the same thing. And, of course, Alex Riley exists. Um, 
this so this match was just and there were a few of these spots that just looked a little bit horrific and a little bit sloppy for no particular reason. That's not to say it was a bad match. I think it was pretty good. It's just like um it was it was very emblematic of what you would come to expect out of the money in the bank ladder match. Just slightly above Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella is what you're saying. <laughs> I think a little more praise than that, but ultimately it's um it is what I do think that is disappointing is that Money in the Bank is supposed to be a meaningful way of getting somebody surprising and pushing them from the mid card to the the title, in particular a heel. It's a, a, a bit the ability to take a mid carder who you feel pretty good about, who is a heel, and to give the rocket to their their back and have a means of having them hold the title. I think that's sort of its its sort of main function at this point in time. Um, and the problem is that they keep either giving it to main eventers or giving it to mid carders as a joke. So you know, Austin Theory comes to yeah. mind. Otis comes to mind. Um, Baron Corbin, oh my goodness. Um, whereas Alberto Del Rio, like, I don't know what I can say about Alberto Del Rio. Like, it's hard not to be uh, jaded by what he sort of became as a per- like what he or what he is as a person more than what he is as a wrestler. But he wasn't ever that great a wrestler either. Uh, yeah, this was, this was just kind of, it was good, but it was kind of a little disappointing, I'll say. I can agree to that. Number five. Okay, so my overall encompass number five is going to be that the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match was much better booked and executed and just delivered more than the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah. The winners... The winners impacted my enjoyment of the match. The competitors involved in the said ladder match made me get more invested in the SmackDown one, respectively, and the spots. I'm literally making all the same points Kyle was just making. Because uh, you look at the SmackDown one, you have guys like a Daniel Bryan. You have guys like a Wade Barrett, a Cody Rhodes. A Kane is in there. I forgot who else was in there besides Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel. I'm missing one person, I feel uh, like. Wait. Wade Barrett? I, no, I, Wade Barrett, Cody, uh, Seamus, Sincara. Seamus and Sincara. And there you go. Seamus could realistically win that one. And you yeah. go back to the Raw one, and Kofi at that time wasn't looked at that light. R-Truth was at one point, but just for one pay-per-view, I had a little punishment, and just they didn't really do anything with him. You can look at Rey Mysterio as a possibility to win, but... It's not realistic knowing how WWE likes to book him and most uh, small, smaller high flyer wrestlers. So it just kind of felt like a foregone conclusion that the real was going to win. And this was in the heat of the real being pushed and shoved on our throats. He was doing that gimmick before Roman Reigns was doing it because he came out, he won the the biggest Royal Rumble in history with forty. Then he won, but lost the title match at WrestleMania. Then he got mine the bank. He was given every opportunity to succeed and did it. But uh, I'll go on to Del Rio with my number four because he's my number four. But my overall encompassing point is that the SmackDown match was better and the Raw one was just not as good, not up to snuff. 
And the the way they started with everyone having a ladder match was just very hokey, very cheesy in my opinion. Yeah. I did not care for it. Kyle, you're number four. Wait, did you go with five? Yes, I big show Mark Henry. Oh, okay, yeah, yes, you're right, you're right. Um, Christian Randy Orton was a solid match. Um, I thought it was quite I thought it was quite good. I think the thing I will say about Christian Randy Orton is I thought not only did were the workers pretty good and like you definitely see when you watch this era of Randy Orton what people saw in Randy Orton because I think after a few years from this there we definitely got the you know Randy Orton matches are slow this one never felt like particularly slow he was aggressive he was hungry he was coming after Christian Christian was doing a great job being the crafty veteran that he just sort of innately always was. Like, what once we get into the 2000s, uh, or a little later into the 2000s, Christian just sort of had took this evolution and became this really interesting character that WWE did not know what to do with. And it sort of remains that to this day. He's still a, a very fascinating person to watch in the ring. But... Um, the story of this match is really good, and it paid off quite nicely. I know how the story sort of goes from here, and I feel like it was, you know, good, but possibly could have been better um, going forward from where we went from here. But, like, yeah, I do like the idea of Randy Orton's, you know, demons getting the best of him, because that's sort of the story of his career. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, it's a well-told story. Vince, you're number four. Okay. Um, actually, I was going to say, if I can have number four and then subsequently number three, because I have Del Rio as my four, uh, and then I have, like, Christian and Orton as my three. Mm. So now I can I just go I back also to back. Do, so, yeah. Ah, okay, never mind. All right, let me start off with Del Rio then. I circle back to Del Rio. I just want to highlight how watching the match, not only his in-ring style, his entrance, his promo, his backstage promo, and then, like, the ca- failed cash-in at the end. Like, the celebration, everything, the theme song. Uh, the real had a lot going for him. He had the, he had looks. He, he, he looked like a, like, he had the looks, in my opinion. He had solid wrestling music, fantastic wrestling music, in my opinion. He had the, the entrance, like, Great entrance. Everyone to this day, like, either thinks of the the cars that we roll up in with or Ricardo Rodriguez saying his name with the very long R and or with um, with his uh, with his name announcement. And then he, he was all right in the, in the mic. The thing that would always work with him is, like, he would, at, he would uh, reply in Spanish and throw in a few English words so you kind of got the gist of what he was saying. Similar to what Oscar does now, but mm-hmm. obviously I'm able to understand it because it's my my language. Uh, could have could have had a better finisher. He never really had a good finisher. The cross arm breaker was okay as a submission move, but I felt like he needed like a, a match that he, like a finisher that he can finish a match with, like with a regular pinfall. He never did. He had like this like like kick or something or insecurity, like this little like super kick that he that he won with, and I just thought it was terrible it was the worst thing ever so yeah Darrell was just wasted potential in my opinion mm, 100% I agree with that 
Uh, my number four is the Money in the Bank ladder match. I was going to reiterate the points that you, you guys made. Uh, one, the one spot in particular in this match that really stood out to me was Jack Swagger falling off the ladder and Kofi Kingston falling right on top of him. That looked like the oh, most rough. Of the match. Yeah, uh, rough. But no, you guys are right. Like uh, Del Rio, not only was he the wrong guy to win the the match, Kyle, but and and wasted poten- potential Vince. But like, this is a guy who like I he, he got given everything. He was given every mm-hmm. opportunity to. He's a multi-time WWE champion, multi-time world champion, multi-time US champion. Uh, like he's he was given every opportunity to succeed and. The lifestyle, I think, he he led to much of the actual wrestling lifestyle in his life. And uh, also, you know, he sounds like a terrible human being. That uh, doesn't sound like a fun guy to, 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 to interact with. Um, I, I would like to point out a comparison here, and you guys can correct me if you feel differently. But he very, when we say it out loud, it sounds like we're describing Karrion Cross's NXT run. One hundred percent. It feels like the exact same thing. Karen Cross to Triple H was what Alberto the Real was for Vince McMahon. And I think that the thing is, though, I think there's something about that that can work. I do think with Karen Cross, it was like when he was out there just sort of squashing people. It was kind of working, and I do, th- but it came where you ran into the wall. Was eventually he was going to have to not just squash people, and then it sort of fell apart. And I feel like Del Rio could have gotten away with just breaking people, but once he had to actually, you know, be competitive or whatever, it's just especially in this era where, like CM Punk and Cena proved, you don't need to you don't need to be amazing, you know, like whatever uh you know, five star ring ring general whatever you can tell a great story in the ring uh you but there is like a bar to there's a line at which you can go from being in command of the crowd and in command of the ring and sort of engaging to being boring and Alberto del Rio's problem is that he crossed that boring line too often yeah yeah absolutely uh the only thing like honestly it is like great plethora of work with the WWE. The only thing that really ever stood out to me was the series of matches he had against Dolph Ziggler. And because of the real, the very realness of the fact that Dolph Ziggler was getting concussed with, by these matches and, and they played into that. Hey, one more thing we forgot they gave him. They gave him the, 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 he was the one, he was the Brock Lesnar to the John Cena U S open challenge stream that for the longest time, the likes of Kevin Owens, Cesaro, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn were going out. Dolph Ziggler were going out there, and, Lu- and Neville were going out there and losing to John Cena, but putting on fantastic matches. No, the real one in there, he like stunk up the place, and that's how they got the title off of Cena. That's they transitioned away from. Oh my god! And he so showed up with Zeb Coulter as his as his uh, manager too. Yeah, remember they're that like Mexico America. The or something? That was the birth of the League of Nations. Oh, man. Hey, you know what? You know what? When, when, when you go back and look at it, when they weren't actually doing like serious heel work, the League of Nations that was, and they called themselves the Lads, but it was just Rusev Del Rio, uh, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett. That should have worked. Being buddies. 
that should have worked. And it kind of did. When it was just them butting around, it gave me feels of what the Brawling Brutes are today. Mm. So I, I feel like that was the concept that they took and now incorporated in the Brawling Brutes. And that's why the Brutes work so well. And that's why Drew McIntyre with the Brutes work so well. Because it's the same concept that they did backstage and, and non-televised stuff. Right, right. Okay, guys. Uh, or, or I guess, Vince, uh, it's time for your <laughs> your number three. You, you said you wanted to uh, piggyback off this. Or Yeah, we're on number three, are we not? Yes. Yes, yes, we are. This this would be number three for me. I want to talk about Christian versus Gordon and how it's overlooked in this pay-per-view. Because you don't normally hear people talk about, oh, man, that Randy Orton-Christian match was so good. Because it was really good. It had a great story going into it. And I'll, that's just part of my number one point that I'll save for later. But I have a few criteria that I feel like make a great match going into it. And this match fit a lot. Sorry. 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 That's all uh, good. Hold up. One second. And uh like I was saying, the match is very underrated. People don't really think about it in the pay-per-view, but it's right up there with Cena and Punk. If it wasn't for Cena and Punk, that would probably be the best match on the card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. inside of it, like the beatdown, like Christian finally getting his uh getting his championship match from Randy Orton, spitting in his face and getting the DQ. Him maneuvering with, because that was a great thing that they did with, uh, with the whole, uh, commentary, uh, before the match, when they do the vignettes and everything. They would go ahead and tell you the story beats prior to the match. And I knew a lot of these, like, he won the title in the ladder match against Del Rio after Edge retired. He, five days later, he drops the title to Randy Orton. In reality, he lost it on the tapings that following Tuesday. So he really was only champion for two solid days. Then he turns heel, and time and time again, he has credible reasons as to why he got screwed out of it and why the stipulation of the, if Randy Orton gets DQ'd, he loses the title, was added. It was great to see. Goddamn, Christian's fantastic. He's one of the best to ever do it. I don't think he gets enough credit for it. Randy Orton doesn't get enough credit for this match. This match doesn't get enough credit. Randy Orton has gone so far as to say this is one of his favorite matches of, of his career. He always credits Christian for being one of the best guys to ever work with him. Um, this match is my number three as well. I just want to go ahead and make a point about storytelling. Like, we, I, I, we live in a generation of wrestling right now where we get a lot of high-flying, fast-paced matches with less story and more in-ring um, just fantastic spots and I'm here for it because I love that shit but it's so nice to and and somewhat refreshing in this era to see a match that doesn't have any high spots it just has fantastic storytelling and this is a match this is a match that all three of us are sitting here praising and the match ended in disqualification (laughs) when else 
when else in, do you think in, in a history of, of reviewing uh, wrestling matches are three people going to agree that a disqualification was good storytelling? There are life rules. If you spit in a man's face, he, gets the he, has, the, he has the right uh, to murder you. That is, that's <laughs> just the way things are. Um, but with that being said, no, I, just, I thought that these two were able to create such a great story and it, it went on and, and they had a fantastic match that following SummerSlam too, um, to end that story. And, and while I feel like Christian definitely got shortchanged in this feud, um, because they obviously wanted Randy Orton, um, it's not like Randy Orton went on to have this long title reign. Like after SummerSlam, he lost to Mark Henry pr- pretty quickly. And then, uh, that he, Mark Henry ended up being the, the face of SmackDown for a while. Um, but again, with all with all those points, though, I, I thought that yeah, definitely my number three, Christian Randy Orton, uh, the for me the third best match on the card. Uh, Kyle, number three. So my number three is that this show and its post matches were excellent, pretty much across the board. Um, yeah. Like, Daniel Bryan getting to celebrate and the fans sort of eating that up, obviously. Mark Henry, the post-match attack on the big show, was excellent. Um, I don't know if I even really paid attention to Alberto Del Rio after he won the title, but... Um, I was paying attention to his theme song. It's a banger. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Christian, Christian and Randy Orton. You know, Randy Orton, who's going into this the face... Uh, getting a full on, you know, heelish beatdown, um, on Christian at that point was really, really compelling. You know, it was really good because, yeah, Christian got one over on him and this is Randy Orton and, you know, he hears voices in his head. And then, like, you could talk about forever because I think what might be even greater than the match with CM Punk and, and Cena is that the post match uh, blowing a kiss to Vince and walking through the crowd is just like an iconic moment in the history of wrestling. Um, yeah. yeah, this show showed you all of the many great ways to do post matches. That's that's a, that's a good choice, Kyle. The, the the Mark Henry Big Show one for me, like it, the the hardest thing to do in wrestling is to make something so convincing that the crowd is actually sitting there like, God damn, I'll bet that hurt. And they achieved that with that spot. Like number one, big show. Like you mentioned earlier, Kyle, a fantastic actor and sold that as if like the leg itself had been chopped off. Um, And the look he gives Mark Henry, like what the fuck, man? Like I, I love that. I, I love that. Uh, I thought it. I thought that was that one in particular was tremendous. Randy Orton, you're you're right. It is. It's so much. Like he just he hears the crowd and he's like, ah, we got we got forty five more seconds. Let's go. That poor table though, that just would not break. Christian was just like, oh, this will be softer if that table breaks the second time. No, it did not. Nope. You know what? Listen, as being one of the members of the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub, the way I interpreted this whole thing is that it, it's not about the during. It's not always just about the finish. That even after the finish, 
there's some post aftercare that you have to worry about. You have to consider to make the full experience it's very important. amazing. It's very the aftercare after the finish. It's always important, and you eloquated that very clearly, Kyle. And I just want to emphasize that. Yeah, you're right, man. The post finish, everything after the finish, fantastic. Guys, we're in number two territory. Kyle, you're number two. Um, my number two is SmackDown's Money in the Bank is what this match is all about and what this match sort of should be. You had, Not only did you have the right person winning, um, you had several credible challengers. You had every competitor having their, their own purpose for being in there, Slater and Gabriel having a bit of, you know, the blood feud going or whatever, and Wade Barrett and, and sort of involved in that too. Sheamus, Kane, credible big guys and competitors for it. Sin Cara there to do some flippy stuff. Uh, Cody Rhodes, another credible challenger. Like, this was a lot of really quality competitors showing off that SmackDown scene. Everybody sort of got some spots in and got their opportunities to do some things. Just a high-quality match all around. Don't have too and much more to your, say about it. You have your big guy. You're a stereotypical big guy in the ladder yeah. match. Yeah. yeah. Which, it's crucial. And he's a very good big guy in the ladder match. Oh, yeah. It's, a, uh, it's amazing, too, because that guy's never been known for his work rate, but, like, you throw Kane in the ladder match, and you're very excited about that for whatever reason. It's former Money in the Bank winner, too. That's not true. Just a Cashed few years on, later. Casting on poor Ray Ray after finally winning the title from Jack Swagger. <laughs> uh, I think the only one in the match that I just felt like stuck out like a sore thumb was Heath Slater. He was the Alex Rowley of this match. If you think about <laughs> <laughs> At least he kind of had his purpose of getting killed by Sheamus early on. You know, he, he served his purpose, making Sheamus look like a badass. Um, my number two was also the, the world heavyweight championship money in the bank. Uh, I thought that it was just so well put together. Like the, the roster on SmackDown at this time looked like there was a lot of promise. It's unfortunate that none of the promise that, you know, was there right there on the table got, you know, seen until, you know, many years later. And, and for, for, for most of the competitors in this never at all. But that match in particular, it just it was so youthful. And like I said, uh, like I said, uh, the right guy, like, sorry, like Kyle said, the right guy won in Daniel Bryan. And it set up, while it wasn't the most inspiring title run, it led this guy to more and more and more. And it was it, he was able to showcase a different side of him going into that next year's WrestleMania. So whether or not he lost in 18 seconds or not, the character development was huge for him this year. Um, now, how about how long you last, Kyle? <laughs> it's about the journey. Vince, you're number two. Uh, my number two is going to be a quick one, just like Daniel Bryan's uh, match at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, the stage, the arena, the aesthetic of it all. You miss it. Like the, the Titantron, like the, was wrapped around like something that made it look like it was a briefcase. You had the giant ladders. You had like the, like the Brinks trucks with all the money in it. Like it felt really cool and it just makes you miss those wrestling themed pay-per-view stage and arenas. So that's my quick number two. 
Yeah, everything right now is just so generic and just so like, well, this is what the SmackDown set looks like, just with a different layout on it. Yeah, it's and it's not exclusive to WWE. It, it it's like a wrestling thing in general. Like AEW New Japan, like you don't see the uniqueness of each stage set. Yeah, no, I I, I don't uh, disagree with you on that. Number one, guys. Vince, you're our guest. I'll start with you. You're number one. Okay. All right, great. I get to finish first. Uh, let's let's go with the big climax finish, which was the main event. CM Punk versus John Cena. The crowd for this match was electric. Uh, probably, like, top three, top five crowd reactions of all time. It's up there with, like, the second one I'd stand with John Cena versus RVD. Um, Brian, when, uh, when he, uh, hit, hit, uh, Bray Wyatt and turned on the Wyatt family, then Brian being on top of the cage and like really relaunching the yes movement. Sami Zayn recently in 2020, 2023's Elimination Chamber was up there here in Montreal. Uh, Punk all out slash rampage reaction when he finally came back to wrestling is up there, but like the crowd was great. There's so much emotion to it. The match wasn't like the most technically savvy fire star clinic, but it didn't need to be because the story leading up to it was fantastically told the story in the match. So I have a few things that I feel like makes the match like top 10 all time due to a few factors. And, and like it, Christian versus Randy had these was the story leading up to the match needs to be there. The engagement from the crowd. It, without the crowd, the match can be like a five-star classic, but it won't be like highly regarded. It needs to be given ample amount of time for the match to be given the story to be told. And like I said, uh, given ample time for the story, the story within the match is also very important. You can't just have a very good story leading up into the match, or you can, or you can't have like a really good match without a story. You can't just be doing moves just to do them, like Big Show and Mark Henry. As enjoyable as that is, that doesn't what that doesn't make a, a, a classic match. And obviously, a select number of timely false finishes. And I and I want to emphasize timely and select numbers, not a bunch of false finishes, but you need those one or two or three. False finishes where you actually believe the match is over and it's not. So it just had had all the elements that I look for in a great match. And yeah, it's number one for a reason. Uh, I'm going to reiterate that point. Yeah. Like this match, like there were moments where these guys didn't, or the, you know, they, they, they had missed spots and they had moments where it wasn't the smoothest, but it didn't need that. Like they had the crowd in the palm of their hand. John, this is a match that I think a lot of people look back and they they look at John Cena and they go, you know, we crapped on this guy for a long time for not being a great worker, but this is a great match. And I don't think that all all that credit goes to CM Punk either. I think that a lot of that has to go to Cena because that like even little things is like how fast he slid out to the ring, out of the ring to knock out Johnny Laurinaitis. Like, he was just on his game that night in Chicago. The entrance for him, I think, was hugely polarizing. Head held down, you know, walking to the ring. Um, very reminiscent no of the... No nonsense. Yeah, no nonsense. Very reminiscent of the of the ECW uh, one-night stand match with Rob Van Dam. Like, he was in enemy territory. 
And I thought that that was just, and what's amazing too is they, the crowd, half the crowd, and it was definitely women and children just based on the reactions. You could hear it, but, um, the, the half the crowd turned. There was a, there was a segment of this crowd that was cheering for John Cena by the end of this match and it went 33 minutes. So like, I think that this one, not only is it, is it highly regarded as one of CM Punk's best matches of all time, if not his best match of all time. Um, I think this has got to be up there for John Cena as well. John Cena's had way more better matches than Cena, like all-time classic matches than Cena, but I can agree with that. And that's just like the magic and mystique of John Cena, that people are going to look back on his career when it's all said and done, even though he doesn't really wrestle anymore. But he will be back on, on Raw this uh, past this upcoming Monday. It's his ability to to know how to come into a match. Like, most of the time, he does this whole little like, hat toss, and he knew the venue. He just comes in, no nonsense. That gave you a, the match a different feel, because if Johnson is not out here, like, throwing his hat or whatever, and just being his normal Johnson self, that lets you know that he's going in this with a different mentality. His ability to t- turn the crowd, even 50-50, is, like, incredible, because not many wrestlers can do that in their in, in any era. That's very difficult to do. Much less than their opponent's hometown. Yeah, exactly. Kyle, number one. It, it has to be this match. And it is a reminder, one, how good these two were able to be at their peak of their powers. Um, as wrestlers, just being able to go through everything. And two, you know... A crowd, the crowd did a huge amount of work for this match as well. And, and you know, I think this might have been, you know, four, four and a half star type of match that, that got to five stars. I think it, at least in a little bit part because of that crowd and because of, you know, everybody collecting, wanting, collectively wanting a thing that they ended ultimately got. I'll say, I do think the Vince coming out to try to ring the bell thing was a little bit silly. But it did get us the the blowing the kiss moment, which I think made it totally worth it. Like, this was an absolute classic of a match. These two guys showed each other with with great submission ability, obviously. Obviously, they have their, their finishers and everything like that. I think it was the right amount of false finishes, as Vince said. You know, you can gush forever about a match like this, and... I do feel, as we're talking about, you know, going, looking back on Cena's career, ironically, there's a game, a video game coming out very soon in WWE 2K23 that is going to do exactly that. And I don't know if there's a single match that I feel worse about not being able to relive than this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this, it just. Yeah. It hit all the points it needed to hit. The right guy won the match. And while this era of CM Punk, at least this summer of CM Punk, is not looked back on fondly because of the, the, the shoddy booking, we did get a long title run not, not too long later. Um, yeah. and, 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 and he did, you know, have, have quite a, a few good matches in that time. But with all that being said, guys, uh, it is time to wrap up the show. Um, Kyle. We are getting into WrestleMania season. Why don't you tell the fine folks who are listening to this podcast what they can expect next month for WrestleMania week? We 
are not only going to be reviewing both days of WrestleMania and everything that comes with that, we are also going to be doing a review of the classic WrestleMania. And the WrestleMania we have chosen was, now i got to remember this one, it is 20... Jesus. One. 21, right? Yes, 21. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania 21, we're going to be seeing a bit more John Cena. Um... Yeah, it should be good. I'm excited to talk about that one. And I'm cautiously optimistic for WrestleMania 39. Yep. Uh, I think there's certainly uh, that that optimism in the air, and it it looks like it could be quite a good WrestleMania. 21 was the first WrestleMania I ever watched uh, live, front to back. Uh, It features... Uh, the rise of Batista in his uh, feud with Triple H at WrestleMania. John Cena's first WWE title run, uh, defeating John uh, John Bradshaw Layfield. The first ever Money in the Bank. So we're getting even more Money in the Bank next month. Um, Fantastic lore. And a 30-minute classic between Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle, which is probably one of my favorite matches of all time. Just uh, an, an all-around classic between the two of them. I think they're best of all of their encounters. Uh, so look forward to that next month. WrestleMania week is going to be busy for the channel. We also have a brand new edition of WrestleQuizdom that will be dropping that week, WrestleMania-themed. Vince was on that program, uh, so you can look forward to hearing more from him. Uh, we have a Ryland's Morning Sports Report dropping with myself and Vince. Talking all of the action in the NBA th- this entire season, leading up to where we are now. And uh, Wednesday Night Wallop is available every single week. We just dropped a new World's Funniest Podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we've got lots coming, guys. Vince, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, congratulations oh, again on your uh, Royal Rumble win. I'm going to let you uh, send the people home, or send the people to your social media, rather. Yes, uh, well... First off, like I said, thank you guys for having me. It's a blast to always talk wrestling with you guys or just hang out in general. If you guys want to find more of my content, you can follow me on Instagram and or Twitter at SCSVint. The link tree in my bios will take you to Everything Straight Talk, which is my primary podcast where I do all my own. It's my little side project. We have a Women's Wrestling March Madness Tournament coming up next week, March 8th, live stream on my YouTube and Twitch which is twitch.tv slash SCSVent and youtube.com slash SCSVent. 10.30 Central Standard Time, 11.30 Eastern. We're going to be ranking the top 64 women in cross pro wrestling and then determining who is the top top women wrestler. I'm going to have a panel of judges. They're going to be doing the heavy lifting and hard work for me. So that's something I'm looking forward to. But you can always catch me every Friday night on on Twitch and YouTube at twitch.tv slash creation world where I'm on Smacking the Raw podcast, the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub, obviously. We also do Creation Conversation, which is our weekly news nerd show around lunchtime, noon Eastern, noon Central Time, sorry, where we talk all that nerd shit. You can probably catch me two or three times during the week if you miss me more. I'm also on the Get Show podcast. No, I'm like an honorary use of the Get Show podcast. So go ahead and check out at Get Show podcast on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I guess thank you for, uh, 
like uh, inviting me over here and listening to all the many different podcasts I pour myself out to, including <laughs> yours, <laughs> including yours. <laughs> You, you you certainly have done a lot of work for us this last few weeks. Uh, we are available on Deezer, uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Kyle, why don't you send them to our social medias? Uh, on Twitter, we are at WNWallop. On Instagram, WNWallop. On Facebook, search Wednesday Night Wallop. Uh, our logo, our names, that's us. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at LeregendaryKJ, that is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on the Twitter machine? You can find me at at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. With all that being said, thank you everybody for joining us, and this has been a longer edition of the show, but it's been a more fun edition of the show, certainly with Vince uh, with us. With all that being said, everybody, have a wonderful evening. You have been rewound. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.